Hey there, Tony here again with the Tony Funderburg podcast episode number 15 with words and music of faith, hope, and love. Uh, I like to bring that to you every week because, I don't know, we can't get too much of faith, hope, and love in a world like this, can we? No, I didn't think so. Um, You may have noticed a new intro intro piece of music there. It's actually a a clip from one of my songs that I wrote on... uh, uh, one of my CDs, I can't remember which one, but uh, it's called Carry the Dream. And um, anyway, I'm trying out new music. Uh, I figure as a musician, I might as well try things, uh, new things here and there. So let me know if you like it. Uh, I'm going to maybe try a couple more. or If people like it enough, I'll just keep it. So anyway, that's Carry the Dream. You can, I think you can hear that one on my website at TonyFunderberg.com. Click on the family friendly music tab you'll see that at the top of the website there and there's a player there and there's uh, quite a few songs actually you can listen to for free so i'm going to get right into it i'm going to uh, read the articles that i wrote this past week uh, most of them if not all of them were based on uh, the book of philippians that paul wrote and uh, this first one is called shine as lights in the world Christians need to shine as lights in the world because, as you may have noticed, it's getting darker and darker with each passing day. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm just, I mean, all you have to do is read the papers and watch the news. And if you're paying attention, you'll see that's true. If we're rejoicing in our own Christian love but keeping our lights under baskets, can we truly say we have Christian love? I don't think so, and here's why. Think for a second about how you came to know Jesus as your personal Savior. And if you're a reader who hasn't done this, don't waste another day. Do it. You'll be glad you did for eternity. Anyway, if you are one, how did you find the message of salvation? Was it just some happy accident? Absolutely not. Even if you were totally alone in a hotel room and stumbled across one of those Gideon Bibles in the drawer next to the bed, it wasn't an accident. Many people were involved. They took time out of their lives to distribute those Bibles and make sure you had free access. Even before that, men spent years of their lives writing the books we find in the Bible and at immense sacrifice, most giving even their lives to be sure you had the message of the salvation. The Apostle Paul said to do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God. This is a good example of the Christian love I'm always talking about. I know it's difficult to shine as lights in the world when we know, quote, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But that's why we need to keep holding fast the word of life. It's life. Life is in the word that you find in the Bible. Eternal life. Two key words there in that last statement are word and and life. Those are two of the three descriptions Jesus used for himself. He said, I am the way, one, the truth, two, and the life, three. No one comes to the Father except through me, he said. If God says we can shine, we can shine. If God says we're lights, we're lights. And if we dig in and trust in him, he will help us do all those things we think we can't do. So be willing to share your Christian love with someone today. Consider it the sacrifice and service of your faith, as Paul said. 
The more we stick together in this endeavor, the more we can rejoice. I think that's good to keep in your mind to know that uh, you can be a light in this world. You can actually be a light. You can. The, the world is a dark place, and it's not getting any brighter. So you can shine, and, and where things are the darkest, you can shine the brightest. And did you know that all seek their own? Well, when Paul said, all seek their own, in Philippians 2.21, he didn't mean every person in existence. It was a figure of speech. You know, sort of like how we say, all our friends are going to the game. We don't necessarily mean every friend we have or have ever had. So Paul was talking about some he thought he might choose from, someone he could send in his place to speak to the Philippians. So all was a subsection of people. There was one, though, who Paul felt confident to commend or recommend, and that was Timothy. And Paul knew someone needed to go, someone who had enough love for the gospel and enough love for his Christian brothers to be there when needed. And that got me to thinking, would I be someone Paul could feel confident in recommending? Someone he'd feel comfortable saying good things about? When I surveyed the landscape of my life, I saw a rough topography filled with crevices I fell into, and mountain peaks I never scaled. So I decided I wouldn't be a good candidate for Paul's replacement. Then, I considered a bit more. Hmm, you know, Paul was first called Saul, and he was zealous in his persecution of the early Christians. Yet, Jesus saw something in him worth redeeming. And Paul still had to be knocked off his donkey on the road to Damascus and blinded for three days before he was fit for duty, so to speak. So I decided, well, if Paul could be found redeemable and then work for the Lord, maybe so could I. So here I am sharing my words in music of faith, hope, and love. My fervent hope is that as my days, weeks, months, and years progress from this point on, I'll continue to strengthen my spirit to wrestle the flesh so that I can be at least somewhat of a good and faithful servant. What about you? Do you want to be commendable? I, um, I think all of us have that opportunity, and most of us seek our own. We seek what is good for us, and we need to work on that. I need to work on that daily. And if we're not seeking our own, and we're trying to be salt and light in this world, we can help supply what is lacking. Are you willing, or are you able to supply what is lacking in others? That's not a question that requires any false humility, because we're actually called by God to supply what is lacking in the lives of others. Think about it. If you're a parent, you do this daily. Your children would be lacking nourishment, nurturing, cleanliness, shelter, and a giant list of other things if you didn't supply them. If you're married, your husband or wife would be lacking so many valuable gifts of love, honor, and devotion if you didn't supply them. Okay, I think you get my point. Well, Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2, verses 25 through 30, about Epaphroditus. And he said, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow messenger, who he was going to send to them in his place. 
As far as I can tell, Epaphroditus was only mentioned twice in the Bible, once when Paul was sending him, and once when he returned to Paul with a message from the Philippians. Yet it's easy to see in only five verses how dedicated Epaphroditus was, and how willing he was to supply what was lacking in their service. Paul even said, Epaphroditus was the one who ministered to my need. And this appeared to be in spite of the fact that Epaphroditus was, as Paul said, sick almost unto death. I mean, that's, that's pretty sick, and yet he was ministering to Paul, so he was dedicated. This was a man with a servant's heart, a man who followed the example Jesus had shown the apostles when he washed their feet, even as he was facing certain death. The more I dive into the love I find in Paul's writings, the more I see it provides me with the truth I need to supply what is lacking in the hearts of hurting humans. This doesn't mean they'll listen or take heed, but that shouldn't deter me from offering it. What about you? Are you studying to show yourself approved? Are you are you ready to supply what is lacking in someone's life and ready to offer up proof for the hope that lies within you? I hope so. You have a lot of good, valuable, a wealth of resources to find in the writings of Paul. And Paul was one who knew the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. If there was ever anyone who knew and experienced the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, it was Paul. In Philippians 3, 1 through 11, Paul describes some of his credentials as a Jew. He could confidently say he was a credible source of information for that faith. He said he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, and a Pharisee concerning zeal in persecuting the church. He had, he had the street cred, you might say. He knew what, uh, what it meant to be a Jew, and he was a Jew through and through. Yep, he had the goods when it came to knowing the law. And he had high standing in the Jewish community. He also had dual citizenship in the cities of Tarsus and Rome, and enjoyed the rights and privileges afforded him in both places. Yet, Paul suffered the loss of all that once he chose to follow Christ and preach the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. And he considered all his loss to be gain for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. He considered those things he lost as rubbish. Paul knew, and preached at his own peril, I might add, that to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection meant he'd partake of the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. Still, Paul pressed on. Paul also knew that to follow Jesus was to be conformed to his death, as he wrote it. But he also had the full realization and expectation that it meant he would also attain to the resurrection from the dead, as he wrote it. In other words, Paul would live beyond the grave forever with the Lord. This knowledge fortified him, strengthened him throughout his trials and tribulations, and drove him to run the race to receive the prize. And Paul turned from persecuting the church to loving his neighbor. If the excellence of the knowledge of Christ could do this for the chief of sinners, as he called himself, what do you suppose it can do for you? Do you think it could help you 
press on toward the goal, as he talked about? The only way you'll ever achieve a goal on purpose is if you continue to press toward the goal, even when it seems impossible to get there. In basketball, the full-court press is a term used to describe the extra pressure a team puts on its opponents. It's both a defensive and offensive strategy because it has a two-fold goal, to keep the other team from scoring and to get the ball back so your team can score. In this example, the word press is almost like an abbreviation for pressure. And I think that applies to our walk in the Christian faith. To press toward the goal, as Paul wrote, means to keep applying the pressure to yourself that produces forward motion, motion in the direction of Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Look ahead. The things that are behind, there's nothing you can do about them. And just one verse earlier in that chapter of Philippians, he acknowledged that he had, he had not already attained perfection. But he knew that wasn't the goal. The goal was to press toward perfection, which is only found in Jesus. It's okay to hold yourself accountable according to God's Word, but that doesn't mean working to achieve your own perfection. That's an exercise in futility. And you'll soon discover you're only trying to keep the law. And that's what Jesus came to free you from, the law of sin and death. Well, here's a modern-day example. If, if an anonymous donor paid off all your credit cards, would you then keep working to pay off all your credit cards? No, that would be silly. You'd be trying to do something that had already been done for you. So I urge you to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Because He is the truth, and the truth will set you free. I know you've heard that before. It's true. And another thing you can remember is that as a Christian, you're in this world, but not of it. This world won't hold you forever. You will go to be in the presence of God in paradise forever, as Jesus put, uh, put it to the thief on the cross next to him who said, Remember me to your father. And he said, uh, I say to you today, you will join me in paradise. And he described it as paradise. So this world is not paradise, but we're in this world, but not of it. We're not going to stay here. I'm grateful and thankful to God that I can be in this world, but not of it. It's an increasingly dangerous place to be. And it's a great relief to my soul and spirit to know I don't have to spend eternity here. That knowledge, it even inspired a song. And if you go to TonyFunderburk.com and look for the post that's called In This World, But Not Of It, you can actually play that song. It's free. It's no extra charge. And if you subscribe to this podcast and you're getting it um, regularly delivered to your MP3 player or iPhone, iPod, um, you may have already listened to this. I'm not sure if uh, if uh, that's been... a Yeah, I think it is available, actually. I think uh, I did see it because I monitor that. Yep, it's available. So you, you may have already heard it, but if you didn't, it's a song you can listen to. Uh, 
in this world, but not of it. And uh, the verse, the chorus, I'm sorry, the chorus goes, I'm in this world, but not of it. I like this life, but don't love it. My Savior rises above it. I'm in this world, but not of it. I previously mentioned how the Apostle Paul had dual citizenship in the cities of Tarsus and Rome, and I talked about how he lost his status when he decided to follow Jesus. I believe he still maintained dual citizenship, only it was as a citizen of earth and a citizen of heaven. Each of us who chooses to trust Jesus to be God the Savior retains a citizenship here on earth until we die, but we also gain a new eternal citizenship in heaven. Our citizenship here on earth is fraught with challenges and turmoil and even persecution, and we have to make our own way. We work by the sweat of our brow to earn whatever we get. On the other hand, our citizenship in heaven is a free gift, bought and paid for by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul said, The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That glory shall be revealed in us when we go to live with the one who is able even to subdue all things to himself. All things. Our current flawed bodies will be transformed into glory and never die again. And that's why we should lay up our treasures in heaven. Maybe you've heard that expression. It's true. I mean, you lay up your treasures here and eventually you die and they're all still here and you're not. So where you're going is a better place to put your treasures. Doesn't it make sense that it would be better to put your treasures in a place where no moths or rust will ever destroy them? And where no thieves will ever break in and steal them? Living in a paradise with no more fear or trepidation of death and dying. It boggles my mind why anybody wouldn't want to sing, I'm in this world, but not of it. Go check out that song. I, that's a little hint. And when you know those kinds of things, when you know that you're in this world and not of it, and you have the, the hope of eternal life, it'll help you focus in on better things. So I encourage you to focus in on better things so you're equipped to guard your hearts and minds. In Philippians 4, 8 and 9, Paul shows us how focus is so important. Focus is a buzzword nowadays used by many motivational speakers and marketing gurus. But the focus they talk about almost never helps you to see how the God of peace will be with you. Paul actually uses a synonym for focus, the word meditate. To meditate on something simply means to think deeply and carefully or to really focus in on it. Picture this in your mind's eye. From the window in your kitchen, you see a sunflower in your front yard. It's standing there all alone in the midst of rocks and weeds. It's bright and beautiful. So you pop out your trusty camera and snap a quick photo. But when you share the photo with friends, they don't get the full effect. They see the rocks and weeds. Well, now picture this. You take your camera outside, kneel down, and really focus in on the sunflower. You capture the bright yellow petals with hues of sunset orange blended into interconnecting spirals. You can clearly see the fruit and the seeds of the flower. And you're thankful you have a camera with enough pixels to do it justice. Now, when you take this snapshot, 
you'll have a picture that truly depicts the beauty that you caught with your eyes. And most likely, anyone who sees the picture will too. Well, just like you focused in on the sunflower, you'll get a much clearer picture of God's peace when you focus in on better things. Paul wrote a concise list of these things. Whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, having any virtue and anything praiseworthy. And when you learn to do what you hear and see Paul doing, who learned by hearing and seeing what Jesus did, then the God of peace will be with you. That sounds like something I'd like to work on today. How about you? So, as I work on that, I think it helps me to know how to be happy where I am right now. Do you know how to be happy where you are right now? Well, in case you don't, I'm going to show you how to be happy where you are right now, no matter where that is. How's that for a pitch? Maybe where you are right now is a place full of anger, bitterness, and turmoil. Well, there's a way to be happy instead. Or maybe your life is going great, but you think something is missing. And you can't quite put your finger on what would make that go away. Well, there's a way to clear that up. If physical prowess is the key to happiness, then pro athletes should be some of the happiest people in the world. But I read a lot of alarming reports of drug abuse, dysfunctional abusive relationships, murder, and even suicide in most sports. And if money is the key to happiness, why are some of the unhappiest stories ever coming from celebrities with millions of dollars in their accounts? Well, then, of course, there's work and vacations. Many successful people say work keeps them happy. Others say get regular recuperative rest in a vacation destination that suits your temperament. While there's nothing inherently wrong about that advice, there's no lasting solution. Otherwise, you'd be able to determine an end game. In other words, you'd know when enough was enough. Well, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, 10 through 23 talked about how to, quote, be abased and to, quote, to abound. How to, quote, both be full and be hungry and how to abound and to suffer need. In those verses, he explains how to be happy where you are right now, whatever that is. When I read that passage, I get a sense that Paul is enthusiastically rejoicing for and with the Philippians. He acknowledged their care for him and how it uplifted him to the point of rejoicing. How can we rejoice when so many things come against us? There's a five-letter answer. J-E-S-U-S. Jesus is how God is able and shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. Did you catch that? It's not according to our earthly riches that he supplies all our needs. It's according to his riches in glory. Those last forever. And his riches are fulfilled and poured out through the sacrificial death and resurrection of his son. So if you truly want to know how to be happy where you are right now, look up and kneel down. I hope you'll take time to Pray to God um, this week, and um, if you haven't already asked Him to be your Savior, pray that prayer. Ask Him into your heart. He won't deny it. Anyone who asks, He'll enter. And if you already have, then pray that He helps you to endure all the things that come against you this week and every year, all the rest of your life.
Okay, that's it for this week's Tony Funderburg podcast, Words and Music of Faith, Hope, and Love. I hope it helped in some way, and uh, I'd love to hear from you if it did. And uh, let me know if you disagree with anything. That's fine, too. Until next week, I'm wishing you faith, hope, and love, and God bless.